Hello, hello. You are tuned in to a brand new episode of Tide Pod, and I am so pumped today because the woman that is joining us, I have been excited to get in front of our Tide Pod community for some time now. So today we are joined by Kayla Riggins, who is a sassy mix of energetic and fearless. She's a content and brand strategist teaching you how to master telling your story online, through content creation. Now, I have been so blessed to have Kayla in my orbit for, I think, Kayla, going on a year now or so. And just the way that her mind works, the way that she approaches content creation specifically is, to me, it's not only intentional, it not only is going to stand the test of time, but it's just more of a fresh take that is a little bit surprising for the online space in particular. And I think the world needs some more of it. So Kayla, before I continue shouting your praises for the rooftop, let me remind you listeners here at Tipod, go ahead and get settled, grab that fresh notebook, because I know Kayla and I know she's going to be dropping some gems for y'all. Okay, so take this time, pause right now, grab your notebook, grab your beverages, and let's dig in. Hello, my friend, it's Tiana Tai, Team Dynamics Consultant and trained industrial organizational psychologist, helping you to become a better leader than your last boss. And right now you are tuning in to the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs building and leading teams, hiring, onboarding, management, or maybe you just want some general advice about building your business. Well, let me assure you, you are in the right place. So go ahead, crack open a fresh notebook because you are listening to Tipod. Today's episode is brought to you by Flowdesk. Have you ever opened one of those business emails and been like, holy cow, why the heck is their newsletter so beautiful? Chances are it's probably because of Flowdesk. Now, I'll keep it 100% real with you. I definitely use Flowdesk to send a balance of back to the basics emails, super old school style, as well as those fancy newsletter style announcements. So for me, Flowdesk 100% fits the bill on aesthetics plus functionality. And I'll let you in on a little secret. My open rates are out of this world. I'm telling you, it works for me. So if beauty and effectiveness is your thing, you're definitely going to want to check out Flowdesk today. Per usual, I've got you covered with a nice little hookup. You can grab your subscription of Flowdesk with a free 30-day trial and get this 50% off. Just go to tianatai.com slash Flowdesk. That's F-L-O-D-E-S-K. Or if you're already on the website, you can just simply use the code Tiana50. T-I-A-N-N-A-5-0. And I've got you covered, my friend. So Kayla, thank you so much for joining us. You got to let everybody know who you are, what you're about, full shebang. I mean, what do I say after that? Like, I'm <laughs> my bio to what you said. <laughs> like, that was just such a, it's like you hear it out loud and it's like, wow, is she lying or does she really feel this way? Like, that was great. <laughs> um, so yeah, you summed it up perfectly. Uh, I am a content and brand strategist and my job is to teach you and by you, I mean, particularly women, how to not only show up online, but to show up for themselves in real life and then tell that story uh, via their own narrative through content creation. And so the way I like to simplify that is when people say, what is content creation? I just say storyteller. So I'm a storyteller. 
I love that. I think that, um, what's it called? I think even on my speaking page, it says we learn best through stories. So why don't you tell everyone kind of the story of how you even got into content creation, how it's manifested with your work in the online space, working with female entrepreneurs in particular. I'm sure we would all enjoy that. I love that we learn best through story. And I would like to add to that, whoever wrote that, I'm going to amend your quote. I would like to add to that. We also connect best through story um, because that's a lot of what I do in my teaching is like create content that creates connection and the way to do that is through story. So I just wanted to add that. I'm sure we'll get to that later. So what had happened was it was a dark and cold winter morning and I was born, not just kidding. <laughs> What would you have done if I had actually taken it back that far? Um, so, I, so I had actually, I, I got into this space um, back in 2012. I started a blog in college and this was OG blogger content creation space before it was a highly sought after expertise, before it was monetizable, before brands even knew what a blogger was. And so I started it in college. It was a, a beauty and style blog. And I really started it as a, I felt like there was a void in mainstream media of women who looked like me, um, represented in a fabulous, luxurious, confident way. And so when I say who look like me, I mean, black plus size, natural hair. Um, when you see that type of woman in mainstream media, there is a stigma attached to how she feels about herself, uh, her love life, uh, whether or not she likes to hang out. And like, I am none of those things. And my friends who also look like me are none of those things. And I just felt like it was really, you know, mainstream media does a disservice of really depicting our actual lives. Like I get dressed, I go out, I have fun. I'm very confident. I'm not just shopping around for a two-piece swimsuit. Like those, I mean, excuse me, a one-piece swimsuit. Those things were never reflective of like my actual life. And so people would literally stop me on the street and ask me about something that I had on. People would always compliment me on my confidence. And so I was like, well, how about I create a space or a platform where you can not only get the answers to those questions, but also work on your confidence and work on how you show up for yourself. So that's how the blog was born in 2012. And then I got really consistent um, with that. And when I moved to New York a year later, I was able to start working with brands um, eventually because now I'm in the backyard of all of these major brands, like everyone is here. And so I started working with brands before I knew it, I kind of had like a side hustle, if you will, with being a blogger and then also working in corporate full time. And so one of the things that really stood out to me was I got the most uh, opportunities or my content was the most impactful when brands came back to work with me when I was like just unapologetically telling the story of a young millennial trying to figure it out in New York City. And so that's like how I got really good at creating content, but also authentic content, like things that take you beyond what you just see. You know, it's one thing for me to say, hey girl, I got this outfit from H&M, but it's another thing for me to tell you like what my mood is today and some of the things that I'm experiencing, you know, just navigating life. And so that was my uh, authentic edge, if you will. I always would tell you a story about where I was in life, even when I blogged about beauty and style. And so people found that relatable and so I started really, really um, growing an audience because of that. And then I became an influencer working with different brands, et cetera. And then also working in corporate uh, because, you know, we're trained to think that's what we have to do, but that's probably another podcast episode for another day, but working in corporate. Um, and then before I knew it, this kind of like side hustle garnered the attention of my peers and people started asking me to help them with their content. And to be honest with you, I said no <laughs> for a long time because I feel like content creation is something that is associated with being quick, fast, easy. Um, and it's just not like it takes intention. It takes thought. It takes work. 
And so I didn't really want to be bothered with helping other people do that, right? I wanted to be the biggest content creator and have the biggest brand deals. Very selfish decision in hindsight, but that's, I said no. I finally decided to say yes. Um, and then I was like, you know what? That wasn't bad. Like I did it for a friend. She paid me. So I was like, that wasn't bad. I kind of enjoyed that. And so before I knew it, I had kind of like this uh, referral-based business within content strategy. Um, and then I really started to understand based on the transformation that people were getting, this is bigger than content. This is bigger than me helping you curate you know, your feed. This is about helping you understand how to show up for yourself in real life, but also online and what extensions of yourself you want to bring into that as you're branding yourself online. So that's the gist of it, (laughs) of how I got here. Um, And I'm still figuring it out every day, to be honest. Aren't we all? I feel like we are all, look, (laughs) no matter what phase of business you're in, you're still kind of figuring something out at any point in time. Now, I'm curious then, because you came into this world kind of through your own personal content, your own influencing, your own brand deals, and you were really steeped in that. But I happen to have some insight into the world of Kayla Riggins. And so I know that you're not just working with influencers, right? Like you work with business owners, CEOs, founders, like all types of different people. And yet there's some thing that must be common and core to just content in general. So can you, can you kind of speak to maybe first some of the misconceptions that you're faced with when it comes to what it is that you do and why this type of work is a lot deeper than coming up with like some pithy Instagram posts or something? Yeah. Um, so one of the bis- biggest misconceptions is that it's all about the numbers. Um, you know, Jay-Z said number of famous, that famous quote, men lie, women lie, numbers don't lie. But in this space, this would be the exception to that rule. And so there's this thought that, you know, the more followers I get, the more money I make, or the more likes something gets, you know, the more money I make or the more clients I can book. And that is just not necessarily true in this medium. Um, People buy off of connection, human emotion, connection, creating content that speaks to you in a way. And one of the pieces of advice that I always give my clients is to do a self audit on the last purchase you've made, be it something as small as deodorant or something as big as a house. And I want you to like really check in with yourself and see what enticed you to to really actually go ahead and click purchase. Somewhere in that journey, there was some type of connection made with whatever it is you were on the market for. And so often, um, another big mistake that people make is they, they approach their audience like robots. Like they curate this real robotic relationship with their audience. Like it's just click the link and buy this or this is on sale. You get 50% off that. And it's like, where's the connection in that? Like, who are you talking to? Right. And so I think people really have, and it's, it, and it's not everyone's fault. It's definitely the microwavable millennial generation, how everything happens so fast. News moves so quickly, trends move so quickly. And so we have this misconception that it can happen overnight. And I just don't think that that's true if you want to be here for the long run. So if you want longevity in this space, having the mindset of your content strategy being something that you just throw together or something that's only reflective of stats and numbers. And I'm not saying that numbers are important, but they are not the be all and end all. There are people who create really good content that probably doesn't get the best engagement that you would deem important, but they're doing really well within their business because they're booking clients because of the connections they're making through their content. And I think one of the things that really um, helps me in terms of like my approach is that my background is also in in television production. So when I speak of corporate and how I I worked in corporate, I was a a TV producer and that's all story. 
everything you sit down to watch on TV is story. Like whether it was a award show, a reality show, a children's program, whatever it is. And so producing those award shows and those different programs married with my personal passions and my experience with blogging, I think it was just the perfect union of me really understanding how to help you approach your content strategy as a visionary and not just as what do I need to post this week to get me 500 more followers. <laughs> Aren't we all guilty of thinking that sometimes, right? <laughs> it's like, so what are the three, like it's a carousel, it's a reel. And look, I'm look, you hear the language that just came out of my mouth because mm-hmm. I immediately went to Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I just found that so interesting because we're not talking about Instagram right now. We're talking about content in general. Mm-hmm. <gasps> Is that something that you're faced with really commonly? Even like y'all know me here on Typod, like I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a business owner, technically, not even technically speaking, just speaking. I have a couple of different marketing channels and a couple of different ways that my company shows up and we position ourselves and we try to tell our story and we're getting better at it all the time. But my mouth immediately went to Instagram. I'm curious if you had a reaction to that. Yeah, it's like it is very common. Everyone does that. Um, And I always tell people the world does not rise and set on Instagram. Um, Instagram is to social media what the iPhone is to cell phones. They have figured out a marketing strategy that makes us feel like we all need to be on this and prioritize this. So kudos to them because they've done a great job. But unfortunately for us, it shifts our attention to one space. And the reality is, is that existing on the internet in other spaces is also very beneficial. Even for you, since you threw yourself in the fire and use yourself as an example, I think your your probably greatest platform uh, to be an asset for your brand is the one that I'm on right now, your podcast. Like I would be putting all of my energy in terms of like content strategy and stuff like that. It would be priority. So in the in the t- television business, um, we call it a call sheet when you show up for work. And so, for example, on shows like Insecure, Issa Rae, she's the star. Her name is first on the call sheet. So whoever's first on the call sheet is top priority. So if you looked at your business and you're like, OK, I need to put together a content strategy. What platform is first on the call sheet? I would recommend your podcast because you own it right? You control the messaging, you control who gets to see it and all of those things. And so I'm not going to make this a beat up on Tiana Fest. I'll save that for a private conversation. But you raise a very valid point is that for some reason, we think everything rises and sets on Instagram. And there are people who are doing really great things over on YouTube, people who are doing really great things over on LinkedIn. And so that's one of the things that sets me apart is that when clients come to me, we're not putting together a strategy for a platform. We're putting together a strategy that dictates the overall vision for how you're going to show up on line period. Ooh, okay. So again, I'm not signing up to get beat up on, but <laughs> let's talk about it for a second though, because I think that I've never actually, again, y'all look, listen to me with taking advantage of this episode for free coaching from Kayla. Um, I've never actually thought about my podcast, even in that way. I take it very seriously. And I take this community very seriously. However, It's so interesting that you said that because whenever you were speaking as like Tide should be number one on your call sheet, for example, what I thought about was planning for maternity leave. And, you know, Mm -hmm. our first priority in planning for maternity leave, Tide Mm -hmm. But, you know, our first priority in discussing marketing, not always Tide And so at some level, I think I know this. And at some level, I have a cognizance of the ownership that I have of this show, of this community, of the guests that we choose, of the information that we choose to share, of the way that we show up. 
And yet you just challenged something in me with just the way that we frame it when we're thinking about overall marketing strategy. And I don't have an answer for you. I don't have any next steps, but I love that you brought that to my mind and to my attention because I think I'm going to be thinking on that. And so everyone listening, I challenge you to challenge yourself the way Kayla just challenged me and think about which channels do I have ownership over? That was just a question that honestly, quite frankly, would have went right over my head a couple years ago. But now that I am in the seat that I'm in, I'm like, now wait a dang on second. Why don't I approach our marketing conversations from that, guys? Interesting. And I think the answer is somewhere, again, all of this is not 100% our faults, right? We are really programmed to think a certain way. Um, Again, with my background being in television production, what do they call They call TV, TV programming. And they call it that because not because you're programming the television, but because the, pro- the television is programming you. And so literally the way we are designed to think is not always our fault. It's because of the content and the messaging that's all around us. And so just in the example that I used and how, um, Instagram has been able to do to, to social media platforms what Apple was able to do to the iPhone. They just did a really good job at their marketing, right? To make you feel like this should be priority. And so now I want you to implement some of those same tactics that uh, Apple used, that Instagram used into your own marketing. And now how can you figure out what's the best platform for you so that you can make your audience know that that's the number one. This is, if you want to stay locked in with me, if you want the latest, the greatest conversations, interviews, the greatest tips, advice, whatever it is, my podcast is going to be where it's at, you know? And I'm not saying neglect Instagram or neglect any platform for that matter. But I think having a primary platform that you particularly own is super important and it's often overlooked. This episode is brought to you by the Expecting CEO Affirmation Deck. I'm telling y'all, I was honestly a bit overwhelmed as soon as my husband and I decided that we were going to start trying to conceive. It was this idea of adding on another layer of responsibility, another role on top of showing up every day as a CEO, as a wife, as a daughter, as a friend, right? So instead of falling into that fear spiral, which I tried, I started to really lean into mindset work. And that began this beautiful journey of identifying negative beliefs and doing the work to shift them into affirmations. And that's exactly how the Expecting CEO Pregnancy Affirmation Card Deck was born, pun intended. So whether it's you or a loved one that is running your business and growing a human at the same time, the Expecting CEO Pregnancy Affirmation Card Deck is a resource unlike any other. Each affirmation was curated specifically with business owners in mind. Head on over to the expectingceo.com slash affirmation deck to snag yours today. Well, I think you should approach your, also, I just want to address what you said at the beginning. If there's uh-huh. anyone who challenges anything that I say, send me a DM, let's fight about it. No, but <laughs> I welcome it because, you know, the, you know, conversation is the catalyst for change. So I welcome people to challenge. I welcome like other thoughts and opinions. It's great. I love it. Send me a DM. (laughs) Um, But when you think about, I think a lot of people make the mistake of approaching their content strategy from I'm just getting through the day or I'm just getting through the week, right? How, How much can I post today? That'll just get me to tomorrow. How much can I post this week? That'll just get me to this week. And that's not a strategy. That's the equivalent of living paycheck to paycheck, right? And so nobody wants to do that. And so why would you approach anything in your life that way? And so because of my background in television, 
when we sit down in a pre-production meeting or we're going into, um, you know, like a, a, a ideation of a, of a show or some type of idea that's not even like budgeted and thought out yet, we are thinking about it in its totality, beginning, middle, end. And so when you think of something episodically, it's like, how do you really tell the beginning, middle, and end of the story? And so a lot of times people are just jumping in with the most impactful piece or the funniest piece or the most viral piece, and that's reflective in their content. And so it's also very limiting in terms of like the amount of content that you could actually be creating. And that's probably why a lot of people are stumped on, you know, well, I don't have enough content to create, or I don't know what to say next. And it's because you're thinking about it as one small container, where if you chop it up into six topics, eight topics, 10 topics, that's episodic. Netflix is never going to release a season of anything and it's one episode, right? You're going to know the order of how many episodes you're going to get before they probably even go to film it because they already have sat and storyboarded it out and decided that we're going to tell this story this season in eight parts. And so if you take that same approach with your content, it's going to give you, help you establish a content bank. You're going to have more to talk about. And ultimately, it's going to also add content diversity. So people will get to know you in multiple different facets instead of just the one thing you may specialize in or the one thing that's your niche. And so that's a that's a tip from, from the business of me helping my clients really iron out. Again, when I talk about vision, vision is long-term. Vision is not just what can get us to Friday. Vision is what's going to get us through the next year of our business. How can we make sure that we have this strategy strategy together that outlines how we speak to our audience across the internet? And so you need content to fill those gaps. And so a great way to do that is to think about it as episodes. I always tell people, when you go to put together your content strategy, if you ever find yourself stumped on anything, any part of it, stop and think about how you consume. So if you are stumped on I don't know. Let's use you, Tiana. I don't know what um I want my podcast topics to be about in March, right? Okay, what podcasts have you consumed lately? What are some topics that have piqued your interest? What are some things you've thought about in the shower? Like starting with yourself, a self-audit is always great because something connected with that content when you consumed it. And so now how can you uh, replicate that or pull inspiration from that within your own content? Okay, I'm gonna let everybody take a deep breath for just a second. Recollect yourself. Everything's okay. We're gonna make it through. Because <laughs> now I don't know if y'all missed it, but like to me, just the shift in thinking around thinking episodically is, and I don't know if I, I think I told you whenever you very first said that to me, like that is kind of a game changer in the way that I think about going going through and creating my own content, even the simple content where I'm going to use a story, whether that's on LinkedIn, whether it's on Instagram, I don't care the platform, but I'm going to use that sort of like behind the scenes style. It's a little bit peeled back, not as buttoned up, but I want to kind of present myself, show people what I'm up to that sort of content. And I can remember when I first entered into business, I would like have a speaking engagement. I'd be going to speak at a conference and if you were to go onto my story and consume my content, you would have clicked on my story and I would have been on the stage and it would have been like a picture of me on the stage, you know, so excited to talk about X, Y, and Z today. And that would have been the entire story. And then I would have been frustrated because I'm like, I just did this really cool thing. And all I had was one 15 second slide showing what I'm doing. Right. And so I say that as a tangible example, because to me, I was documenting what I was doing and I was trying to do what everybody said and show up and share. But because I really couldn't conceptualize beginning, middle, end Tiana, it didn't make sense to me. I thought people were just filming, you know, getting ready and like their routines and stuff like that. Honestly, I was just like, 
no one gives up about what I'm doing. So I never recorded any of it. I never thought about it. And I'm not saying you have to get super personal with it. That's a whole nother conversation. But I just really never thought about anything in terms of beginning, middle, end. And so once you just gave me that language, my mind kind of opened up because it's like, oh, what story do I want to tell? What piece of this event do I want to highlight? Is it just the fact that I'm on stage? Is it a specific topic that I'm sharing about? Should I wrap this topic in something that someone asked me last week and then like bring it full circle? You know, I mean, it just kind of opens up for someone like me and the way my mind works. I'm a book nerd. It opened up a lot for me. Yeah. That's good. And I'm glad that you were able to like make that, first of all, be self-aware enough to say, well, I feel like nobody cares about this, but you quickly say, but I realized that that's probably me and my own thinking. Um, Because I do think a part of that is the glitz and glam, the vanity metrics that is social media. I think because traditionally that type of content has been the most uh, engaged with or viral, that it does set this tone that anything less than that is unimportant. And so my message to you or my advice to anyone listening to that is, A, you have to create more than you consume because there's that, but we could go into a whole nother podcast episode about that. But my message to you is to really identify what's significant about you, what you offer and what you serve and trust that there's somebody out there who feels the same way. Like as much as we like to think we're super, super one of a kind, there are people out there who relate to us and who are waiting for that type of content to consume, but you just haven't created it yet. And so the way I like to say that is we all get a little bit of uh, a little piece of real estate on the internet. And so this is my little corner over here in the Kalo world. And here's my responsibility on my little piece of real estate. I can't worry about what's going on, going on over there on the yachts and in the mansions and all of those things. But over here in my little piece of the internet, this is how I want to show up. And this is how I want people to feel when they come across me. And so I charge you to like, I challenge you to like figure out what's significant and and special and authentic about you and then lead with that instead of, because what you did was you fell into the trap of these are the types of things that I feel like people like to see because this gets good numbers, but that neglects a whole group of people who actually relate to you, your story and what it is that you're doing. Facts. And I mean, no shade to, I know Kayla loves her reality TV shows. There's a couple that I know you're a fan of. And mm-hmm. a lot of people in this audience probably do as well. I don't consume a ton of reality TV, but I have as guilty pleasure. I have like seasons of it. Mm-hmm. I had, a, I had a Kardashian season. I had a The Bachelor That was an interesting little spurt of of reality TV obsession. And so it's funny to me that we do this to ourselves. And yet there's not really much going on in the reality TV episodes when I think about it. And I remember, I can't remember if I was on a live and you were speaking or you were on a stage or something like that. But I remember you kind of likened it to the fact that why do you think everything has to be so life-changing in every single frame when we literally consume these reality TV shows and there's only one big thing happening in an episode and it was filmed across two weeks. (laughs) And some episodes are filler episodes where nothing is literally, nothing is happening. It's just, you could tell, and again, I I have a producer background, so I, I see TV a little differently, but even as a consumer who doesn't have a trained eye, you can tell when it's just like, okay, this was just a buffer episode to get us from the season premiere to the season finale or to the reunion. But yes, I mean, 
The Kardashians are, again, a different topic. But what we have to give them credit for is that they were able to be to reality TV what the iPhone is to the cell phone and what Instagram is to social media. They made themselves the top standard and priority for consuming reality TV for following the family. They would be sitting around eating big bowls of salad. But they established such a connect. That's what they did. Like, you know, it's true. They're famous for their big ass bowls, bowls of salad. But, <laughs> but what the, 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 the superpower and what they were able to do was organically share, authentically tell their story. And people were hooked because people like to watch things that are either inspirational and, or aspirational. So wherever you fall there, maybe you found them relatable right? Maybe they were inspirational, aspirational, whatever it is. And so people came back season after season to see pretty much a continued cycle of the same drama. Real Housewives of Atlanta is one of my favorite. The storyline has been solidified from the inception of that show. The characters change, but the format is the same. We're going to follow around a bunch of group of women. There's going to be drama. They're going to open businesses. They're going to have babies. They're going to start new lives. They're going to get married, rinse, repeat. And people tune in over and over and over again. And so they will for you too. You just got to show up and put it out there. And that's the problem is that we won't even take the first step to show up. Sure won't. Sure <laughs> won't. And do you have a perspective? Because there's somebody listening to this episode. I think the majority of our community here, we tend to have personal brands. So all of this is super, super relevant. But do you think that this can be applied conceptually to someone who doesn't necessarily have a personal brand, but that doesn't mean that they're company doesn't have a story. You know what I mean? Yes. And that's a great question because that is actually one of the biggest questions I get when I encounter new audiences. People are like, people have stood up and raised their hand. Well, how could this work for me? I sell candles. And I'm like, I'm so glad you asked. Story is all around us, no matter if it's a physical product, a service-based product, whatever it is, there is a story attached to it. And so using that candle example, you're doing yourself a disservice if you're just posting a picture of the candle sitting on a desk and saying, this scent smells so good, Lincoln Bio to buy. But how about taking that candle through the actual journey that it lives in when someone purchases it? So I want to see someone lighting this candle. I want to see the aromatherapy, them maybe getting in the tub and lighting the candle, reading a book. I want to hear voiceover of like why they like to come home and light this particular candle. What am I doing right there, Tiana? Telling a story. That candle has a story associated with it because it's going to be the brand story, the story of the consumer. So when I say storytelling, I don't necessarily mean my story. I have a personal brand, so I'm telling my story. But you can also tell your audience story, your consumer story, right? And so how do you, if for, for clients who have product-based businesses, I'm like, how do you want them to feel when they wear your, your sweatshirts? How do you want them to feel when they light your candle? So that's building the persona of your target audience. And so you tell that story of the woman who maybe she, you know, works a nine to five and she's also building a business on the side and she's obsessed with candles because they relax her when she comes home. How do you now bring that story to life visually and tell that story? McDonald's is selling burgers, but they use story. I couldn't tell you who the founder of McDonald's is, who the CEO is, nobody, right? So that's a face eliminate. McDonald's is not a personal brand, right? Because there is no person attached to it. However, there, there's a commercial running um, right now where a little girl is going up to the drive-thru with her dad. And then the scene changes and she's like maybe like middle school, high school with her dad. Then the scene changes again and she's an adult, but her dad isn't in the car with her. She's going to herself. And then she's having the memory of going to McDonald's with her dad. That's storytelling. It talks about tradition. It talks about your relationship with your father. Like 
they took us on a journey of her going to McDonald's with her dad. Now, at the end of the day, they just want us to go buy some French fries. But what they did was establish a human connection through storytelling. And it's memorable. It stands out. So stories all around us don't discount how you can leverage it to your advantage just because you don't have a personal brand. Products tell stories as well, because who's using the products? People! Humans. <laughs> Humans, oh, you make it you make it sound so obvious, but you know, <laughs> when we're sitting in the seats, we tend to overcomplicate things a little bit. <laughs> no, but I, I get what you're saying, and it resonates a lot as someone who has recently taken the step to move into another product-based business, not another, but my first product-based business. It it is a diff, it's the same, but it's different. And so that's been interesting because it's no longer telling my story or my direct client story. To your point, it's like, okay, when someone sits down with an affirmation deck, like, what are they doing? Are they going to journal with it? Are they going to be enjoying a cup of tea? Like, are they in a good place? Or is this a pleasant reminder that they just needed to hear and take a second to be like, oh, I am that bitch. You know what I mean? And so, I love the way that you framed that because it's, it's simple and everyone, not everyone does it. (laughs) The people who are winning the big brands and whatnot, they do it really, really well. But I think for someone like me who is new into having a product-based business or never really paid attention to it from a marketing perspective, I think I kind of took it for granted. Like the Nike commercials, just do it. They sell sneakers and their commercials be so dang on inspirational. I'd be ready to take on the world. Like I think one year they had a women's commercial and it was all these women just killing it across every single sport you can imagine. And then when I thought about it, I was like, Nike sells sneakers and clothes. Mm-hmm. but I'm sitting here just like tears because these women are amazing. Okay. And so everyone, the ones who are the ones that we watch do this. And I think I used to take it for granted. Yep. So again, audit how you consume, what inspires you to buy, and then adapt that into your marketing and content creation practices, because story is all around us. If you want to sell to humans, you got to be telling stories because stories is what creates connection. And guess what? Connection equals conversion, but you got to connect first. Y'all heard that? Mic drop moment. moment. (laughs) Rewind it. Go back 30 seconds. You can listen to it again. This is a podcast. I got you. (laughs) Okay, Kayla. So any final thoughts for, I don't even know, the person who used to try to treat content really transactional. They were like, like you said earlier, and I loved this moment when you're like, that's like living paycheck to paycheck, the way y'all are thinking about your content out here. Any final words, any final thoughts for the person who's like, I'm going to try to start to attempt (laughs) shifting my mindset and shifting the way that I approach my content. Here we go. Yeah, I think And I tell this to everybody all the time, when you're starting out, or even if you've been doing it for a while and you're feeling burnt out, go back to your why. Like there has to be some substance behind your desire to do this that will sustain you when it's not working, when you need to restructure, when you're not getting the numbers or the, or the attention or the traction that you want. Because the reality is, is that you're going to have to commit to this and commit to the process. And you have to understand that it won't be quick for everybody. For some people, it will, but that's not everybody's story. And so really identifying the significance behind why you even want to do this and make sure that that why is not tied to something superficial, something vanity related, right? And one of the things that I always challenge my clients to do is, who is this helping? Because this is really not about you. Like when we're creating content, and particularly as entrepreneurs, we always get caught up in the www. 
me, myself and I.com. And I think it's like, you know, a side effect of being an entrepreneur because so much of what we do is just us, right? And so naturally, I think we bring that into other areas of our business, but you have to remember your product or service is serving someone else. So that candle is serving me and my anxiety because of its aromatherapy benefits. Um, your service, right, as, as, as a teams and leadership expert is serving me and my team, right? And so when you think about it from that approach, like how can I now make sure that who I'm serving is in this messaging? I think things will start to flow and open up for you. A lot of times people are so like in it about how it's going to serve them and their egos that we really miss an opportunity to create content that serves the people who we're going to transform. Um, and that's even like, even if you're not selling a product or service, right, you're always selling yourself, right? And so for those of you who may be like content creators or influencers and you do work with brands, it's the same thing. You're selling yourself to the people who subscribe to you. You're selling yourself to your tribe. So what messages do you want to send to them? What trend, how do you want them to feel after experiencing you and your content? That why needs to be super, super strong because otherwise you're never going to have longevity and you're going to always burn out when things get hard. And so that would be my like overall advice is to determine your why, make sure it's solid, and then lean on that as your thriving force as you navigate this space. Ooh, and look, if it's not, because I can speak from experience, sometimes like Sometimes it's easy to put yourself in the shoes of your clients, your consumers, your audience, your community. And sometimes you need someone to pull it out of you. So Kayla, speaking of pulling it out of us, uh, for the person who's like, I need to hear more of this woman. I need to know where she hangs out, how she can help me, all of the above to get my mindset and my actual strategy around content creation all the way together. Where do you hang out? Where can everyone find you? Yes. So I'm all over the internets at Kayla Riggins, K-A-L-A, no Y. My mama didn't put the Y, take that up with her. I don't know why, but it's K-A-L-A-R-I-G-G-I-N-S. The best way to keep up with me all the time is going to be KaylaRiggins.com. And then an update on what's going on with me. I highly recommend that you subscribe to my email tribe because there are always updates there. And then, of course, Instagram, which is, as you can see, was not number one on my call sheet. <laughs> as you can see, uh, Instagram is also where you can also hang out with me there. My link in bio is constantly um, updated and refreshed with the different things that I'm offering, the different things that's going on. I host these Create Consistent Content Challenges, which are five day challenges where we actually work together to put together content strategies. Um, and so I host them very frequently. So always check in to see when the next one of those is happening will be great for someone who's interested in connecting more with me and learning more from me. So all over the internet at Kayla Riggins and then KaylaRiggins.com and then Instagram. <laughs> not, not you. And I know you're a woman of integrity, but still not you actually doing your call sheet in order of the way that you just told me. Interesting. Wow, y'all. She's really out here living the advice that she's giving. Look at that. It's a novelty. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kayla. We thoroughly enjoyed having you today. Thank you.